Wow, Christmas. Don't know how many of you are excited. Oh, there's a few there. But, uh, I, Nigel asked me ages ago, he gave me a choice of when I could speak, and I decided I'd go for and today, because I've always, I don't know last time I spoke at Christmas, but I wanted to speak in the Christmas period just because it's, it's an amazing um, period. I mean, I've been really excited about saying to Nigel and Joe a few weeks ago, I wrote this talk about a month ago, once I knew that I was going to be speaking at this time. I have tweaked it since. But um, just an excitement, because Christmas is an amazing period of time. And as I wrote up there, Christmas is an invitation to a life-changing and transforming encounter. I sometimes like to give long titles. Um, but for me, Christmas is all about God breaking into our lives and leaving our lives totally transformed. It's all about God becoming manifest. We use this phrase sometimes in churches, Emmanuel, God with us. And when you look at the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, the wise men, it doesn't matter which character you look at, when God turns up, everything changes. You know, in this church, we sometimes sing that song, um, when you walk into the room, everything changes. And this story is a kind of like a manifestation, a kind of demonstration of that song. Because when we look at the story of Christmas, it's God walks into the room. God walks into Israel, Jerusalem, at that point in time, Bethlehem, and everybody's lives are changed. It doesn't matter who you choose. It doesn't matter whose story you look at and you find yourself in. I'd encourage you, if you haven't yet, to kind of read the story. If you're looking particularly Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, you hear the kind of the story of Jesus, the ones you kind of see on TV, the one that they will be acting out this afternoon. And find yourself in that story. Choose a, a character. A bit later on, I'm going to choose a, some characters, and we're going to enter into it. But I love it because their lives are radically changed. People that have shame have their lives restored. I love what Nigel was saying earlier. At one point, I thought he was going to take him a talk. And it's like, no, but yes, that's great. And <laughs> um, But people with shame had the shame taken away. People's life that was going in a certain direction had a radical change. You got people there who come from an affluent, educated background. You got people like the shepherds. If you don't understand, shepherds were like one of the lowest of the low. And they were kind of looked down upon every, by everybody. They were seen as kind of the irreligious people that weren't worthy to come and have an encounter with God. And then God goes, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to break into their situation. I'm going to encounter them. I'm going to meet people wherever they are. And that's one reason why I, I love this story. Hope is restored. Fear is broken. There's loss. There's anger. There's frustration. Whatever emotion you have, whatever story you find yourself in at this point in time, you can find yourself in the Christmas story. But you can also find the reality of the God who wants to break into your story, into your life, and to leave it radically changed. And so I'd encourage you this morning, I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, I don't normally say this when I preach, but I'd encourage you just, well, I encourage this bit, but wait to the second point. I'd encourage you to engage with God. I'd encourage that anyhow. 
but don't wait to the end. One of the things I was really excited about when uh, I was thinking about this a month ago, and I've been building up, and kind of like, oh, come on, come on, 18th of December, come. It's, I really believe that God wants to just give us stuff today. He wants to break into your life. And, you, and if you know, you've been to this church before, you know we have a time at the end where we just say, come, to, come forward. And we just pray for you and, and ask God just to move. Well, God is here already. Don't wait to the end. Wherever you are, if you need hope, just ask for it now. If you need joy, it's here. You just need to take it. If, the, if you need peace, if there's something, that, like Nigel was saying, where you need to kind of repress the reset button, if there's an area of a life where you feel brokenness, if there's an area of life where you feel shame, he's here now, just take it. And that means simply just in, in yourself, in your heart, just saying yes. I, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you into this situation. Let's not wait to the end. He's here. I wouldn't kill us if I don't finish this talk if you just press and take hold of what God wants to do. The second reason I'm excited about and the story of Christmas, I know it's a long introduction, it's not my normal thing, it is that it encapsulates, the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' birth, encapsulates everything we are as a church and our values. Let's see if this works, I'm not too sure. And next. Yeah, it's working, hallelujah, that's a miracle itself. And... Um, I don't know. This is mainly for those people that have been in church. If you've been, if you're a member, you call yourself uh, a member of Winchester Vineyard Church. My apologies to those who don't, but you know, keep engaging on God. Is you've heard us share this this language often. You know, leading our, our cities, leading our communities into life. I wrote up uh, aboard the kind of the more longer one. Actually, we need to read backwards. We believe that God wants us to re- rewrite the story of our city, our communities, restoring hope and bringing lies to individuals and institutions. And uh, you might have heard us share that, and I know particularly um, we talked about that in October, um, September, October, and a little bit of November. And you might have thought, okay, they've been talking about that, and now we're going to have a change of subject. It's kind of Christmas, and so it's a good time to talk about Christmas. Yes and no, because in some ways they're the same. Because when you look at the story of Christmas and you've heard Nigel and Joe and different people come up here and speak about leading us cities and communities into life, you might sometimes wonder, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the Christmas story is like a demonstration of it. The Christmas story is a demonstration of what it means when God begins to break into people's lives. Because our desire is to bring our communities into life. We, our desire is to see our communities change. Because we believe that when people encounter Jesus, he makes their life better. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you are. It brings a change. It's radical. And so the other reason I'm excited about speaking about this is because it very much encapsulates who we are on what we're seeking to do, changing. See, our desire is to bring the Christmas story every day into the lives of those around us. As followers of Jesus, the message of Christmas is not just for this period. The message of Jesus and the message of Christmas, lives being changed, is for every day. 
That's the thing that we've been invited in. When we say, Jesus, I want to follow you, this is the invitation that we have taken on. Wow. People love Christmas. We get the opportunity to bring Christmas every day. The message and reality of it. I don't know if some of you don't believe me or you're going to like, <laughs> I've shocked you with that message. But that's what we're called to do. Nigel referred to this. I wasn't sure whether to do this or not, so I take this as a confirmation. And why do we see much detail? About talking about scattered servants. <laughs> scattered servants is this idea that we are called, we are invited as followers of Jesus to bring transformation. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. We can bring the reality and the truth of Jesus into people's lives. I was having a conversation with a few people over the last month about being a scattered servant, and I, I kind of realized that to some extent I must have miscommunicated what I meant by that. Because uh, I spoke to a few people, and they said to me, uh, I realized that they seem to be very good at just bringing Jesus into people's lives in everyday situations. And so I wanted to encourage that. And so I said to her, I'd like to speak to you about how you can grow and develop as being a scattered servant. And both people said to me, sorry, Paul, we're just so busy. We haven't got time to be, uh, to, you know, do something extra to be a scattered servant. And I thought, oh, I've somehow been miscommunicating it. So my props. Electrics and water. I know what you want, but I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> that would make your Christmas. You'd remember this Christmas, wouldn't you? And so, again, you've got to take your life and your situation. I don't have time. You know, I know different ones of you. Some of you are unemployed. Some of you are working mums. Some of you work at home as a mum. Uh, different jobs, different situations. And you all have different you know, responsibilities. So, I don't know. Let's take a housewife. Let's think of my wife, Katie. And so you got, um, I don't know, one, two, three, four kids. Uh, you know, you're making meals. Um, <laughs> cleaning the house. <laughs> this could go drastically wrong. I should have chosen St. Cass. <laughs> and you're doing a lot of other really, really important things. <laughs> and as my wife pointed out, also resting. Now, if somebody comes along, just imagine, I didn't want to take a risk. It's kind of up to the brim. And you say, hey, you got you guys at the front of church saying, we need to be scattered servants. How can I get that more into my life? And from when I was speaking to some of you, that's kind of maybe the message that we conveyed. And I thought, that's not what it's about. See, it's not about adding more water because there's a limited capacity to what you can take. It's taking who you are and the life that God has given you and the place that he has put you and then releasing Jesus. Two, hopefully should do it. <laughs> the whole packet would create a massive... Do <laughs> you know what these are? So just watch it. These are actually vitamin C tablets. And, um, and so when we talk about scattered services, your life, my life, we love Jesus, but let's not keep them separate. Just let all that life and all that Jesus is begin to filtrate into our lives. It's not being weird. It's not being strange. It's just releasing that which Christ is in us to those that are around us. I'm not going to stand there forever. 
to give you a, a, a simple example where it's just part of life, it's not something extra. I, I asked some friends in Birmingham if I could use one of their stories. And so I share this story and then we'll kind of, kind of link some to Christmas because it's about bringing Christmas, the reality of Christmas in there. And this is what a friend um, said. This is his story. I'm just going to read it straight to you. But it kind of encapsulates that idea of being Jesus, being the hope and the light of the world wherever we are. So reading these words, I was eating a burger in a restaurant in Birmingham. And uh, I started talking to a waitress. A spiritual conversation opens up. I ask her, has anyone ever told you why the story of Jesus is called good news? She said no. So I told her. She started crying and said she wanted to follow Jesus. So we led her in a prayer. She said, wow, I feel it. I feel different. She was smiling so big. So I asked her, who else do you know who needs to hear the good news of Jesus? I thought she might think about it and maybe go home and tell somebody later. Instead, she pointed across the restaurant and said, she does. She went and got another waitress. She proceeded to pray, to believe the good news and follow Jesus. We asked her the same question. Who do you know who needs to hear what happened to you? She went behind the bar and grabbed a third girl. That girl said, I'm not religious, but I have been thinking about God lately. And then with the help of the other two girls, we told her the good news of Jesus. One of the girls said, I just gave my life to Jesus. It's amazing. You should totally do it. She gave her life to Jesus. Amazingly, all the customers had left the restaurant by this point. <laughs> Don't know if that's a good bit or a bad thing. <laughs> so we proceeded to pray for them that they would receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. The other restaurant workers were staring at us, intrigued but amazed. One of the girls said, this is the craziest thing that I've ever felt. I was so excited by this point, I instructed one of them to get a cup of water because I was going to baptize them. We baptized them over the bar. These three girls were beaming with joy. The reason I like that story, for various reasons, um, probably because it conveys some of the principles of scattered servants, is they weren't doing anything extra. They were just going to a restaurant. But as they were going to that restaurant, they were just aware that God was in that restaurant as well. And God might have a larger agenda than our agenda. And so I'd encourage you, we've each been given a great, lovely jar of water. Allow God, allow the message of what we're looking at today to filter through. They were able to bring the reality of Jesus into that restaurant. And that invitation is there. But focusing more on the Christmas story, I want to focus in on particularly two things. First, I'm going to look at big picture, and then I'm going to narrow down on the story of the wise, wise man. Come on. Can you flick it on? <laughs> Firstly, I just want to focus about Jesus finding us at Christmas. You'll see at the end, when I first wrote this talk, I focused in on the, the latter bit, finding Jesus at Christmas. But I felt that... Uh, God just challenged me saying, I want to throw it out about finding Jesus wanting to find us at Christmas. What do I mean by this? If you know the narrative, the story of the Bible, the story of the Bible is the story of God making us, the story of God loving us. 
wanting to be in a relationship with us. However, we wanted to live our lives our own way. We wanted to kind of DIY, do it ourselves. And we messed up. The Bible calls this sin. But God's plan had never changed. So through the years, he spoke in many different ways, and we get that if we read what we call the Bible. And through it, the message came across loud and clear. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to show you a better way to live. I want to show you a more fulfilling, a more joyful, hopeful way. And eventually, God decided that he wanted to send his message. And his message in a person, Jesus. Jesus was the message. He was and is the way. And so Jesus still has that desire that he wants to find us. See, Christmas is all ultimately about Jesus. No matter all the festivities that we see around us, no matter all the food and drink and the things on, on television, we wouldn't be doing that if deep down at a level that we weren't doing this celebration, the celebration of Jesus. God loves us. It's a well-known verse. You've ever been around the church a long time. For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loves us. That's, that's the message of Christmas. He loves us and he sent his son. He wants us to come into a, a relationship with him. It's an invitation. And there's an invitation that still goes out. Jesus wants to find us at Christmas. He also wants us to find him at Christmas. God wants to be found because he wants to come into that relationship. It's a bit like, I don't do it so much with my children now. Um, partly they're too good at it and partly they find me easier. But when, I, when they were a little bit younger, I had four children. And um, we used to play hide and seek. And um, the aim when you're playing, let me tell you this piece of advice. If you've got really small children, the aim when you're playing hide and seek is not to hide so well that they can't find you. That kind of ruins it. But I know it sounds a little bit strange. You, you want them to have a little bit of kind of like looking. But, you know, you kind of want to make it a little bit obvious. So, you know, you're, like, you're behind the door or, you know, if, if it's kind of more than a few minutes and you can hear that they're starting to get a bit disgruntled, like this is getting a little bit boring, you kind of make that... <coughs> kind of noise or cough, whatever, because you want to be found. Yes, you're playing hide and seek, but you want to be found. And God wants us to find him. And my question to, to each one of us today is, have we found him? Whether you say you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus, he invites us each day to find him and to be found in him. To find Jesus, and I, and, I, and I stress the word Jesus. I was when I was um, praying about this uh, a few weeks ago. I felt God might be saying, "Some people have met religion. They met kind of rules and regulations. Maybe you, um, for years you went to church. Uh, maybe you've heard about God in different ways. Maybe it's the kind of the religion of your parents or the religion of your." Um, 
you know, the country where you're from. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have a relationship with God. And I want to just create an opportunity before I move on. If you've never encountered Jesus and allow him to find you, this is a great time to do it. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And maybe I've been talking about Christmas. Uh, maybe it's a different way than maybe you've ever heard or thought about it. And, uh, and I want to just give an opportunity to anybody here. It'd be a great Christmas. Let Jesus find you. Find Jesus. And since that's you, um, you could pray something like this. God, I thank you that you so love me that you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus because you love me, because you wanted to restore that relationship with me. And Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to invite you into my life. I want to be changed and transformed by you. I want more than just religion. I want to know you. Amen. And if that was a prayer and that's something you meant from your heart, I'd encourage you to come a bit later on. There will be an opportunity to come to the front and just say, hey, I want to just publicly say that I want to follow Jesus. So we want to find Jesus at Christmas. And like I put there... Each of these stories, as you look at Christmas, there's a cost involved. And there's a gift. And that story is the cost of Jesus being given for God so loved the world. But it was also a gift. And you find it in the rest of the stories. But I want to just finish by focusing in on the story of the wise men. And finding Jesus in Christmas, in this period of time that we call Christmas. Not just the day, but in this period of time. It's one of these things that we value as a church when we're surrounded by so many different things, so many things clamoring for our attention. One of the things that we value as a leadership team is just trying to help people engage with the meaning of Christmas and what it's about. And it's about Jesus. Finding him in our lives. I was going to just um, play a game with you, but we're only going to have one story. I don't know how many of you know the the, the book. Is it Finding Wally? I can't, I can't remember what they're saying. Where's Wally? And uh, can we just click? I think we've only got one. Yeah, prizes if you find him. <laughs> and uh, we had a few, but only one of the slides is working. And the reason why I had a few, I remember, some of you might remember I did this last year, is if you know, if you don't know this, my apologies. Uh, particularly, um, I, should, I should have found the actual characters. You know what you're looking for if you didn't know what you're looking for. But hidden in that picture, uh, there's something called a Wally. And, um, and he's always there. You will find him in that picture. Take it from me. Sometimes he's easy to find and sometimes he's hard to find. And the reason why we only got one, but originally when we had two slides, why I had two pictures is it doesn't matter what picture you are in, 
you will always find Wally there. It doesn't matter where you are in your life, what situation you're in, you'll always find God is there sometimes. Sometimes you find him easily and sometimes you have to look hard. And my encouragement to you, my encouragement to us this Christmas is to find God in this page, in this season of our lives. And like I put right at the beginning of my introduction, wise men, wise people, as my daughter quickly pointed out to me. So my apologies, I'll probably use wise men, but just take it as wise women, wise children, (laughs) wise people uh, are still looking and seeking to find. And I want to focus in on the the wise men. I remember many years ago, my mother-in-law had what they call a quiet day, which is when you just create space, just try to hear God better. And it was around Christmas time, and she said to us, find yourself in the story. Choose one of the characters, and imagine you're them, and see what new things you might learn about the story. So I thought, who shall I be? And uh, and so I decided to be the wise man. And as I can enter into the story, and I will invite you along for a few minutes to come with me on that journey. What can we learn from their story? Here were some people who were trying to find Jesus. What can we learn from their story? Okay, so before I press it, this is brilliant. Thanks, Rebecca. And, and um, I bring up a map partly because I wanted just to get us to get a bit of a feel what they do. I think sometimes when we think about the freeze wise men, and if you're going to see it on TV, most of the stories, unless you watch the BBC Nativity, anybody watch the BBC Nativity uh, one? It's a great, you should see it. It's probably the most accurate one I've ever seen. And um, so my wife is mouthing something. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the problem when you get your wife on the front. And, um, um, you know, as soon as we just think of these kind of wise men, you know, they're just going to like stroll in, you know, they're having a day and just think, oh, oh, look, there's Jesus. Isn't this cute? What's happening here? That we don't appreciate the journey they went, went on. We don't appreciate that following Jesus, trying to find him, seek him out, there's a cost. And the reason I bring up this bit of the map is, is my bit of kind of deep thinking for some of you. Some of you, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm one of these people that believe that the wise men probably came from Arabia, probably Yemen and Oman. That's not the traditional way of thinking. But uh, in the Bible, it says they came from the east. And if you look at the Bible, the east, whenever it's referred to in the Bible, it means the Arab Peninsula. Iran and Iraq are always referred to as the north. The Syrians and Babylonians all came from the north. The other reason why I agree with it is because the gifts they brought... Come a later. I have a, I have gold. Oh yeah, great. All goes wrong. Gold, myrrh, and frankincense. If you've never seen them, you can see me afterwards. Hopefully, you've seen gold. It's myrrh and frankincense. If you ever know, want to know where they're getting from, they're in ample abundance down in Yemen or Oman. Every time I've got friends who come that direction, I ask for some. Because you can just get it easily. Now, the reason I point that out, not so much for, I mean, maybe it's interesting sake for some of you, is as you enter into the story, just imagine that you are traveling 
from down here. I could do a stick. I can't jump, can I? And uh, too short. Well, that distance, the distance is about 1,300 miles. This is an incredible journey. It was not done till 1931. That area of desert there, it's called the Empty Quarters, if you translate directly. It took them to 1931 before anybody managed, it was recorded, somebody to, to cross it. It gets, you know, it hits 60 degrees there in the daytime. It has more sand than the Sahara Desert. It's not an easy trip. And I'm kind of giving this information, not just so you got a great geography discussion over a Christmas meal at some point, because I want us to kind of grasp what these guys went through. They saw a star, and then they went for it. Traditionally, and again, from what we've read from Scripture, this is not accurate, they had this star, and then they just followed it. That would make life very easy if God spoke that way. From what we understand, they saw the star, and then they went to Jerusalem. Then if you read in Matthew's account, it says, from there, they followed the star. So all they had was this word from God, which they knew was like an indicator. God is about to do something. And the, so they set off, which is why they ended up going to the wrong place in the first place. But God, in his mercy, took them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Wow. You know, as I enter this story, and I invent, invite you to enter this story, we don't know how many people made it. You know, traditionally, there's three. But I sometimes wonder how many people set off and didn't make it. I don't mean that they died. But how many people just heard that word? They saw the star. They heard God speaking to them. They heard that invitation. I want to take you on an adventure that would radically change your lives forever. And how many, after a few days, went, do we really see it? Oh, maybe it was just a figure in my imagination. How many of them talked themselves out of it? How many, just because of the, the journey? I kind of I looked up online because I'm not an expert on how far camels go in the daytime. They do about 20, 30 miles. Um, it would have taken them a minimum of three months, probably between three and six months to do this journey. It wasn't kind of like, oh, let's just stroll. This was a long, this was a commitment, this was a choice. It was a hard slog. How many went back? How many because of disappointment? How many because of frustration? How many because of fear? See, every call, every invitation to go on a journey, an adventure with God involves stepping out. You know, is that well-known saying, a journey of a thousand miles starts one step. Well, this was literally a thousand miles. They saw something. They heard God stirring their hearts an invitation, and they went for it. How many went for it? How many got there? And again, that's the challenge and invitation to us as a church this morning. Christmas is when we have an opportunity to hear that invitation and call from God again. He's got a marvelous adventure for each one of us that we're invited into. Do we want to go for it? And again, we're going to have an opportunity later on where we can just respond because that invitation is still there. Are we going to go for it? What adventure is God calling you into in this season?
Why wait to the new year? What's he calling you into? What adventure is he reigniting in you to go for? Secondly, the other thing as I reflect on this story was, with a, and that's why I make an emphasis on the frankincense, gold, and myrrh, was they just brought what they had, what was readily available. And that's what all that God invites us to. Sometimes when we hear challenges and people like myself, you know, maybe challenging you, encouraging you to go for it with God, it's like, can I do this? Can I do that? All we're saying is each one of us have been given gifts. Each one of us have been given experiences. Again, filling the gap. But he's only asking us to give what we have been given already. These guys could readily get hold of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That wasn't hard to get hold of for them. And again, we have that invitation. And we're going to, again going to have an opportunity at the end of this service where I really feel like God's saying, I want to give myself to you. What do you want to give me this Christmas? What do you want to give back to God this Christmas? Individually and as a family. And lay it at his feet. And so as we look at the story of the wise man, I, I would like to give it more time. Originally that was going to be the sole focus of my talk. But it's an amazing story. It's an amazing, crazy I mean, it's just a nuts adventure if you look at it. Who said the Bible was boring? It was a hard slog. The heat, the cold at night. But they'd heard something. And they were going to go into that. So just to flick on the last slide, just to conclude. And for the worship band to get ready. So here it is. It's Merry Christmas. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) Nigel, <laughs> no, I'm not Nigel. <laughs> so here it is, kind of Merry Christmas, and here's a Merry Christmas, because this Christmas is merry, it's joyful, because we have this opportunity again. Yeah, it's Christmas, we have this opportunity again, and I just have three questions that which I want us just to respond to. What is God asking you to give? What adventure is God inviting you into? Or I really felt, because I added this to my notes and handwriting, what is he maybe re-inviting you to? Or what is he reigniting? For some of you, I really believe that when I talk about adventures and dreams, you thought, that was me when I was younger. Or I had this word once. I particularly felt like God wanted me to do this and that. And God says, pick it up again. That call is there again. That call hasn't changed. Do you want to come on that journey? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I will lead you, and what you find at the end is going to be amazing. And lastly, what does God want to give you today? And I really believe that, fill in the the blank. See, the Christmas story is a miracle. It's got miracle written through it. It's like a bar of rock, you know, you get when you go and... It's got miracle written all through it. Where do you need to see a miracle? God likes to give miracles. He's a great dad. And so I'd encourage you again to kind of respond to maybe to all three of those. But it involves an invitation. If you see the wise men, 
I wasn't there, but let's just take the films correct. I said a lot of the films were wrong, but that bit where they just approach Jesus and they just kneel at his feet and they give what they have. And so we have an opportunity to kind of come to the front in a minute. The worship band, Michael and band, come up. And um, as they lead us in the song, just have a little thought and then. We're going to have a time when you can just come, come to the front. If you want, you can kneel where you are. But I think there's something like the wise men. There is something symbolic and powerful about action and movement. And to the, come to the front. You don't necessarily have to have anybody pray for you. It might just be between you and God saying, this God is what I want to give you this Christmas. This is what I need from you. This is a, an adventure I want to go on or carry on going on.